Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one. Hey, Julie, we're back. Welcome to September the 28th. Yes. Happy the, Monday. Happy Monday. The day before the presidential election. Again, not a political show. Debate. Debate. Oh, yeah. Well, it could be the election, depending on how bad one of them does. This is true. It could be a major <laughs> deciding factor. Yeah. So we never talk about politics and whatnot, but that I think will be a good uh, TV viewing regardless tomorrow. So look, we're focusing on um, this uh, Zillow issue that a lot of uh, agents and brokerages and I think pretty much everybody's talking and worrying about. And over the last few days, Julie and I have been breaking down the whole Zillow conversation, I think, into to its finite bits and pieces. And uh, please do listen to our podcast we did yesterday because we really got into the weeds about uh, specifics about what will probably happen next. And the resulting, I think what you'll see is a triumphant of real estate leaders ultimately. And I think everyone's going to be incredibly shocked when they realize that probably within 24 to 36 months from now, I'm not saying there's going to, uh, you know, the big brands will still be in business, but I bet you I, it's safe to say that the biggest, most notable brands are going to be EXP Realty, Zillow, and probably Open Door or whatever hybrid Open uh, Open Door turns into. Some are speculating that they're going to purchase Redfin or who knows what, but they're going to essentially you're going to see three um, a new sort of only an era really of real estate brokerages that are all competing um, for you know essentially the same real estate transactional dollars. So that is coming to a marketplace near you. Make sure you're right on the right side of history on this one. I assume that 99% of you who are listening are real estate practitioners and you're wondering where you're going to basically put your license as we enter into this new era. The obvious answer is eXp Realty. Again, listen to the show we did yesterday. We'll sort of reiterate some of the points we made yesterday, but incredibly important that you position yourself for the future. And uh, most of you aren't. Most of you are just sort of, you know, positioned for the market that was over the past really 50 years as far as franchises and even small and medium-sized brokerages. In this new era, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, um, if you're not associated with one of the big tech companies, you're probably going to lose out and just a shockingly quick way. That's what it appears to be happening. There's a huge change in consumer uh, expectations. And uh, if you don't match those expectations and, and whether your brokerage doesn't, then chances are you're going to find the business is going to get harder and harder. Any opinions on that? Well, you know, I just ended a coaching call with one of our great uh, coaching clients in LA, Federico. Yeah. And as I was talking to him, I was thinking about this Zillow thing and I was thinking about, you know, he's with eXp. And he told me about a listing presentation that he went on, which was basically a two or three step. He'd been working on somebody for a long right. time. But he did a great job using the tools in his toolkit, one of which was talking about the EXP offers that he could potentially bring through that investor. Now, she's probably not going to use that, but the point was, how many tools do you have in your toolkit right now? If you're operating with just a hammer and a screwdriver, which has maybe gotten you through a hot seller's market because you knew enough people and you kind of lucked into some deals, those days are coming to an end, especially 
with these guys in your backyard. You've got to upgrade that toolkit. Otherwise, what you're able to work on is pretty limited. Right. I mean, the idea, the analogy Julie's pulling out there is if you're walking to meet with any buyers or sellers and you've been able to, you know, have a really good, a relatively good uh, understanding of how to use your hammer and say your Phillips head screwdriver, what she's suggesting in this new market, you're going to have to have a full toolbox full of different tools that provide different, you know, obviously, you know, they do different things. But the problem is, is a lot of agents, they might have a toolbox, they might even add a few new tools to it, but they don't actually know how to use them. And so that goes back to the importance of using iBuyer. If you're going to struggle with iBuyer or have some sort of mental or emotional issue with the concept of it, while your consumer activity, the centers of influence and past clients and all your really people that would have done business with you, they are going to be curious about it. They are going to be interested in it. And they're going to get stuck in the ecosystem of these companies that do have iBuyers. So the big you know, the thing that nobody's talking about, agents have this obsession with focusing on the wrong thing. So what if Zillow's losing money on every house flip? So what if Open Door's losing money on every house yeah. flip? It doesn't matter. For every 10 people that they have respond to, um, you know, express interest in doing uh, an iBuyer offer through them, those are, n- one person might do the iBuyer, maybe less than one person, but then there's a whole heck of a lot of seller leads that are going to come as a result that are going to go to the Zillow agents or going to go to the Open Door Redfed agents. They're going to go to the agents that are associated with the brokerage. So if you're not thinking like that, you're going to absolutely miss this huge wave of change, which is upon us. So Julie and I wrote this last bit. Can you come closer so we can action steps fight against this noise that's happening in the background? Sorry if you guys hear that in the background. uh, There's a construction going on nearby, but hopefully you don't feel it. Hear it or feel it. Or feel it. We can feel it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a little radical over there. Okay. So action steps. What are you actually supposed to do about this, Tim? Well, so first of all, and this is something we've been saying forever, and we've been saying it for all the right reasons too, and it's kind of, I feel a little bit vindicated from all the detractors that have sort of, uh, you know, basically spoke against the things that we were saying. The number one thing is stop buying leads. And we've been telling agents not to buy leads since the advent of buying leads because it was obvious that by buying leads, you're essentially funding a company that was going to eventually be your competitor. We have long held to the fact that it was obvious that Zillow was going to head down the uh, brokerage path because of the fact that they had to squeeze more bips out of the deal. They were ma- not making enough margin except on the premier agent thing. And the premier agent program was an enormous success, an unprecedented success. It, you know, they essentially, they uh, mastered something that Realtor.com had been trying to do for years. But now you're going to see uh, the premier agent program. It's going to change into essentially a lead program primarily for the agents in their brokerages. Why are they doing that? Because A, it's becoming harder and harder for them to sell leads to the masses of agents, but B, they can make a heck of a lot more money by ha- getting into parallels of other uh, industries. You know, you're talking about mortgage title, all the things that all of us think of when we think of a real estate transaction. Well, Zillow is going to have a system in place where they're going to be able to make, um, you know, essentially money off every one of the um, ancillary service providers that they have a business interested in. And again, an old model that brokerages have been doing forever, but Zillow can do it at scale. Zillow is going to be able to do it in every state. And same with Open Door, same with Redfin. Same with you know EXP. So that's where your focus needs to be. So stop buying leads is absolutely job number one, and stop you know essentially being beholden to buying leads. Because the more you're beholden to buying leads, the less you're ever going to be able to have the essentially the confidence and the skill set to pivot and be independent of this dependency that our industry seems to have on these tech companies. And these tech companies, guys, they always enter into the fray saying they're here to provide a better job for the consumer. You need to be offended when you hear that. 
it. Because what they're essentially saying, the subtle message within that message is, we suck. They're essentially saying real estate agents and brokers are terrible, so there needs to be some sort of tech company that's going to ride in on their white horse and save our bacon. That is, in essence, the underlying message. So when you see that and you choose to do business with people like that, you're going to have, you should really do some introspection as to why you choose to align with a company that basically treats you like that or thinks of you like that. So ultimately, if you want to be independent, stop being dependent on buying, uh, especially buyer leads. So Julie, next, next. point. Now, yeah. that was talking about buyer leads. Next point is stop having your listings on Zillow. Tim, if you were to interview agents and ask them the question, do you believe that having your listings, for example, on Zillow, uh, more exposure, does it actually create a higher price for the seller? Does it actually sell them faster and for a higher price? There are a bunch of research studies done on this outside of the real estate industry. And the conclusion was more exposure does not equal a higher price. New, more exposure does not equal better list to sell price ratio. More exposure does not equal shorter period. It's right? counterintuitive, right? And so you guys have been saying to sellers that more websites are going to, is going to result in essentially a better result for the seller. But statistically, that's not true. Now, I understand that you might understand that statistically it's not true, but if your competitor is walking into a seller's house and rattling off all the different websites the listing's going to be on, um, you know, it, you have to, it's difficult to explain to a consumer because it is seem, seems so counterintuitive why that's not true. So I get why you say it. You say it because competitive forces uh, force you to say it. But here's what you're going to start seeing, in our opinion. As the triumphant of these, you know, these three big power players in the brokerage industry, global brokerage industry with EXP, the other two are just domestic for now, you're going to start seeing, again, maybe even Realtor.com gets sold to one of these big uh, portals. Who knows? Or these big uh, uh, new companies. You don't know what's going to happen, but here's what you do know what's going to happen, is that you're going to see, in our opinion, it is entirely possible um, the big portals are going to essentially just start focusing on individual brokerage brands. For example, why would Zillow, if if agents and brokerages... Now, okay, here's another little side note. Uh, this is something we talked about a little bit yesterday, but this will make my point better than what I'm trying to say. So Zillow had thousands, I think maybe even over 10,000 individual relationships with brokers and MLSs around the country for data sharing. Well, what they did by becoming a broker is they're not renewing those data sharing um, agreements. What they're doing instead is they're going to, just like you know brokers have for a generation now, they're going to be joining the MLSs and they're going to be getting access to IDEX feeds. Now, when they do that, they're going to be operating under the same rules in some cases, restrictive guidelines that all of us have had to forever, right? They're all of a sudden going to be holding to the state associations, the MLSs, the National Association. They're going to be beholden to your State Department of Commerce and agents and brokerages are going to be able to file complaints against them So, because they're going to be a licensed real estate broker, whereas before they were a media company. Now, why did they do that? Probably reactionary to the fact that they saw that some of these national, uh, these large state brokers, uh, I'm sorry, MLSs, um, voted to essentially stop sharing their listings with, ML, with uh, Zillow. And so Houston did it. I think there were some others. Austin did it for a bit. So I think that was uh, an existential threat to them. I think you can uh, agree that with Zillow not having any listings to advertise, then they're going to have a serious problem growing their business. But that scared them to the point where they realized they had to actually become a part, well, one of the many things, uh, 
they had to become a real estate broker. And you know what? That's going to be something that will create opportunity for the rest of the industry because they can't really compete with us anymore. They have to now join us. And when they join us, they're going to have to play by the same rules of which they haven't had to play with before, play by before, making it so that they weren't as restricted as, say, for example, your local broker was with regards to making a listing appear that it's listed by one agent who's the sponsored agent who's paying for the buyer leads, whereas the actual listing agent was pushed down further on the page because they weren't paying some sort of fee to basically be featured on their own listing. Can't do that in the MLS, can you? No, you can't do that in the MLS. And I I think it's entirely possible that you're going to see these big companies. Again, I think there's going to be three big players, maybe four. You're going to see them, in our opinion, create their own national and maybe international MLS now, that could be completely wrong, but I think it's right. And I, furthermore, that doesn't mean two things can be true at once, right? So it doesn't mean that the existing national search portals, say Zillow and Realtor.com, won't still be in business. But if you're with you know, EXP Realty, why do you want your listings that are being used to cultivate what would have been your leads go on your competitor's website? It doesn't make any sense. Now, Realtor.com was originally supposed to be the industry's, uh, you know, essentially portal. But what happens if News Corp decides to sell Realtor.com to one of these big companies? It's entirely possible. And so then Realtor.com gets changed to some other name, maybe, probably, because Realtor.com is obviously a trade name. But if that were to happen, are you really, as a competitor from whoever buys it, going to want your listings appearing on their website? Doesn't that inherently put you at a competitive disadvantage? Especially if they're not playing by the same rules. Maybe they're offering commission discounting, or maybe they're doing, you guys get the point? So it's inevitable. The competitive pressures won't be pulling the largest brokerages together. They'll be pulling them apart. And that's when you're going to see actually true innovation happen from the uh, for the sake of consumers, but also for, well, primarily consumers, but also hypothetically for great companies like eXp, you're going to see that happening for real estate agents as well. Yes. So speaking of eXp, here's a great quote from Brad Inman. eXp's market cap is currently $2.7 billion, double that of Realogy, but still in the category of a traditional brokerage or franchise operation. Currently, it is rewarded on agent growth in a robust housing market, which is lifting all boats, including agents, small brokerages, and anyone who touches home sales or mortgages. If, again, this is from Brad Inman, if EXP can convince Wall Street that it's also a technology business, then it too could see a swollen valuation. Exactly what we've been talking about for the past three podcasts. You know, that's just one reason to be with EXP. We've hopefully educated on you on a whole bunch of other ones. Well, I mean, but I'm, we're looking for, you know, the, today's show is about what they're supposed to do about the onset of Zillow and Open Door and that kind of competition. This is a very high level strategic podcast. We don't, I mean, as far as the drilled down things, we are always going to say the same thing. You're always going to want to be a listing agent. You can see as the, you know, the, the waters get more murky as you think into the future, as all these sort of things morph, how these brokerages morph into one another and all these other things start to take place. If you're a buyer's agent and you're, or you're, uh, you know, you own a team or a brokerage that's beholden to buying leads, you have an obsolete business plan. You have an obsolete business model. If you're buying leads, I promise you, you're going to regret it, especially if you're affiliated with Zillow, because there's every reason to believe they're going to stop selling leads to you unless you're working for them. Or I imagine in some markets where they don't have a brokerage, they'll still sell you the leads. Until they have a brokerage there. Or in, yeah, and they're not going to be cheap leads either. You could pretty much be assuming you're going to pay 50% referral fees. And these are on stinking buyer leads, for gosh sakes. On seller leads, they might even be more. 
So the suggestion to all of you is urgently spend all your best energies of every waking you know, work minute of your life becoming a listing agent. Because when you have a listing agent, when you are a listing agent and you have listings and you know how to proactively generate your own listings, you have the ultimate form of leverage in real estate that's not beholden to anything. And then the next job that I would assign all of you to, if you'd, you know, have an open mind to it, would certainly be to join EXP because EXP is going to give you more paths forward and the founder and all the executives of the company are already basically invested in investing more into becoming a tech company to Brad's point. Julie's off to Premier Coaching. Make sure you open and close that door fast because the racket out there. All right. Thank you, Julie. So yes, you're going to see, we see a huge divergence that's going to happen in the industry and it's going to happen really, really fast. Everyone's been talking about this since Julie and I got into real estate and we got our licenses back in the early 90s. You know, everyone's been talking about the point where there was going to be some real, you know, purposeful change and it never did happen. And one of the underlying currents of all these tech companies that they're all banking on, including Zillow, frankly, all these companies were assuming that agents were going to be disintermediated. Disintermediated is a term I actually learned from Brad Inman back in the 90s. He used to write about that constantly. So this theory that someday the agents were going to be dealt out of the transaction, like, for example, travel agents were and all that, has proven to be a complete fallacy. Now, why? Because the psychology that's rooted in all of our brains makes it so that we want to make big decisions accompanied by somebody we trust. In other words, a true expert. We want to make decisions that pertain to, look, money, real estate, um, anything like that. You always want to be getting, seeking the advice of somebody that you trust, somebody that you think is going to make it so that you can avoid some of the pitfalls or mistakes, right? Just makes sense. Doesn't it also make sense now that you're going to see essentially a real bifurcation in the real estate industry between agents that have the skill set and agents that don't? And and here's, I have a special sort of message for all of you. So many of you are um, locked into this uh, lead generation business model that's based on centers of influence and past clients. And I, Julie and I say this almost every single day on this show. It's the number one listen to daily podcast um, in the United States. It very well might be uh, becoming that for a lot of different countries too. We're having listeners in 54 different countries. So please listen to what I'm about to tell you. If your business is heavily centers of influence and past client oriented, which most of it is, Generally speaking, if you've been in this business for more than three years and you never have learned to be a proactive lead generator, your business basically it's a patchwork quilt of hoping and praying that some center of influence and past client will send you business. Here's what happens in a changing market. And I'm not, you know, depending on where you are, where you are in the United States, you know, will determine how much your market will or won't change. But in a changing market, what happens is you're, and this is without this advent of some of these technology things I'm about to share with you or remind you of mostly, I think. But you're going to see the sellers in a changing market. They are going to become much more selective on who they hire for the job of selling their home. In a buoyant market where all ships are rising, when sellers are able to, you know, in many cases overpriced, they're not that particular who they're going to list with. So they'll be more than happy to list with somebody who dropped off a pumpkin pie last November or somebody they know socially. That's how the business is done in a seller's market. But as soon as the market starts to shift or the threat of a shift, this, the you know center of influence past client focused agent might get an appointment 
for you know to interview for the job of selling the home, but they're not going to get the listing unless they have the skill set because the seller is going to no longer just basically list with anybody because they like you. They might list with you if they like you and you have the skill set to solve their problem. But if you don't realize the problems that happen in a changing market, let alone a buyer's market, then you're not you again. You might get the appointment, but you're going to start losing your listings. Or what even hurts more is you won't even get called out on the appointments. You're going to have centers of influence and past clients who don't even call you out to, to you know interview for the job uh, because you have not convinced them that you're anything other than a friend. You've not shown them that you're a true expert. They're not convinced they're going to list with you and then another agent that takes a more business approach. So the past market was about who you knew, frankly, and social contacts prom- prominently. That was how a lot of listing was done. But this new market is going to be about what you know as a practitioner. Right, what you know, and frankly, in many cases, what you're able to do. So it's what you know and who you know, uh, but it's also what you know and who knows you. And that's really where this market's going. And what you want to be known as is somebody can actually solve other people's problems. Now, that was the old market using traditional rules. Enter in the advent of what we think is going to be a very organized and scaled up iBuyer programs coming from certainly EXP, Open Door, which, by the way, is now you know essentially public. Um, in EXP, I'm sorry, in Zillow. So you're going to see now the sellers are going to have even more choices to make. If the market starts to change, even in the slightest of ways, uh, of course they're going to explore the iBuyer option. Once they get caught by in the iBuyer uh, ecosystem, then you're going to essentially have uh, more things to compete against that many of you won't have the skill set. Or frankly, even if you had the desire to have the skill set, you're not associated with a broker that's going to put you in a position to be able to compete. You guys understanding the point? So maybe you get the concept of iBuyers, but if the seller thinks that that's a, um, you know, a potential uh, way of them selling the house, if they're at least ex, I'm sorry, they're at least uh, iBuyer curious, and you don't offer an iBuyer, or you don't know how to explain how iBuyers work, um, and the seller is going to see that as a viable option, that you know they're going to leave some money on the table, but they can exit the house gracefully, they can exit the house. Um, without having to do any repairs, they know what the money is when they're walking out. You know, they're going to. Many of them are going to find that at least appealing. Now, will they end up taking the money at the end of the day? Probably not. Most of them, ninety percent, probably will still want to put it for sale. But if they've already contacted, say, for example, e, uh, EXP, and they've you know searched for an iBuyer offer, let's say, uh, they're going to most likely stick with EXP or Zillow or OpenDoor. And so I know Zillow and these other companies are swearing that they're not going to get into uh, the resale business. Of course they are, because that's where they're going to find the greatest leverage. You think you really think when they get those ten people showing up at their you know their virtual portal and inquiring about iBuyers, and only one of them wants to take an iBuyer offer, you really think they're just going to ditch those ten resale leads and say, well. Oh, you you know we'll cast you back to the wind, knowing how much you know frankly revenue they could make off those sales. Of course they're not going to. They're going to. They've been sending those leads to you know hand selected agents that are willing to pay large referral fees. But you can see what they're going to do. They're going to take those listing leads and they're going to send them directly to their own listing agents. You guys get it. So if you're not in alignment with one of these big companies, and look, you can work for Zillow probably. I mean, I understand they're hiring. They put out help wanted ads in select cities. You can go get a job with them. I don't know what it pays, but I'm sure it's not anything near what you could get paid selling real estate yourself if you had the skill set. Open Door probably is going to do the same thing. I mean, you can work for Redfin, companies like that, or you can work for a company like EXP, which creates multiple streams of income for you. 
and gives you all the, you know, essentially the weapons to fight back against these new, well, they're not even new at this point, but against these these uh, evolved ideas in real estate, which will uh, appeal to consumers at a very high level. Um, you know, if you want no further proof that what the concept of what they're working on is going to work is just look at the, um, what's it called? Auto, not called AutoNation, it's called something else. That there's this big franchise, it's not even a franchise, it's a publicly traded company, uh, you know, that sells obviously used cars prominently, but you take your op- your car in there and you, they give you an offer and you're just one and done. And that offered a alternative for people uh, to have to deal with directly with dealers and taking the car from one place to the other place and having to deal with, you know, dealers, you know, doing what dealers do with regards to trying to get the best, del- the the least expensive purchase on that car. Well, they also basically eliminated by offering this, they eliminated that's the, the, uh, the sellers, the car sellers fear of basically having to deal directly with dealers. They gave, they approached it in a non-car dealery way. You walk in, they, you know, appraise the car, they give you a written offer. Um, and then they'll even uh, better the offer. If, if some local dealer basically offers uh, more money, they'll even, they'll improve the offer. And what happened is consumers flocked to that uh, concept because it, it made the job easier. So a lot of times you could take, if you were planning on trading in your car and you're going to trade it into, I don't know, whatever dealer it was, say you're going to buy a new Hyundai or, or Hyundai or Honda or who knows what, right? the dealer might actually offer you less than what you could get by selling it to that outlet. And so that's what a lot of people have done. Now, here's what's really fascinating. So this is maybe 10 years ago that they started basic, uh, opening up all these huge, massive uh, car lots all over the country. And I hopefully I'll remember the name, but hopefully you guys remember the name. Um, and then that has changed along with different ways of financing the whole automotive, uh, automobile industry. And we talked again about this a lot yesterday, but it increased sales velocity. So because people were able to sell their car quicker with less hassle and because uh, the dealers now essentially sell most of their cars on uh, in-house financing, right? You guys are familiar with all this, right? The people are keeping their cars for less, shorter periods of time. People are actually willing to trade. They've got uh, into the habit now of having a new car every two years. When I was growing up, when your neighbor got a new car, it was almost like a block party when people would go out and celebrate it, right? Some of you guys might remember those days. Uh, That's just how America was. People didn't buy things and just, you know, consume them and throw them away. They kept them. And even after they're, you know, past their... Uh, their best years, people would still keep them and pass them into, you know, down to the gener- generation, you know, their kids or whatever. So look, housing is going to go through the same sort of uh, consumer-led a change and you're, it's all good because it's going to create more real estate transactions. It's going to create more demand for people that can basically be there, real, real estate agents that are skilled to be there to help somebody with a transaction. That's going to create overall, and especially if you mix in the demographic shifts that are happening with baby boomers and Generation Y and all the rest of it, um, you know, and generation, uh, of course, the millennials. So all these, the huge increase in the number of people wanting homes. Now the process is going to be easier. It's going to increase the sales velocity, which is going to result in more real estate transactions. This is what the future is going to be like. This is what's going to happen. And I don't, and I cannot, and there's generally speaking, there's only room in any major market segment for two or three huge brands. And you think about that, guys. It's in cars. It's in everything you can possibly imagine. And what happens now and what is happening now is Zillow and Open Door are going to absolutely be duking it out to find out which one's going to be the dominant iBuyer brand. 
Um, and they're all fighting to have what uh, EXP already has, which is a nationwide real estate brokerage with literally tens of thousands of agents. So EXP has its own iBuyer. EXP is rumored to be creating its own national portal. EXP already has international uh, expansion um, in five different countries. That makes sense to me that that's going to be the winner, that EXP will be the winner to this. But also it makes incredible sense to me that all of you individual agents and brokerages need to be, you know, frankly, moving over to EXP or at least taking a hard look at it. So I've created two simple paths for you to do just that. If you just want to get, you know, gather the uh, hardcore facts on EXP, um, actually, you know what? I'm going to make it even better. I want you guys, and I, you know, this podcast is going to have tens of thousands of listens, and I'm willing to, I have a couple assistants that can help me with this. If you're ready to join EXP, or even if you're just ready to get started to learn more about EXP, text me directly. This is my honest self, this is really my cell phone, right? It's uh, 512-758-0206, uh, 512-758-0206. So text me at that number, and let's have a conversation about EXP. Uh, and when we do, I'm going to send you a bunch of videos, a bunch of things that you can learn about, um, and then you'll you'll end up talking with me directly, most of you. Some of you are going to end up talking with somebody else that's on our team. But I want you to consider joining Julie and I as part of our EXP team. It would be honor, our honor to do it. And look, guys, if you're in any way feeling pessimistic about 2021, for any reason, you got to shake yourself free of that because every single leading indicator now, which is amazing, <laughs> I'm so thrilled that the doomsday guys were wrong, but every single leading economic indicator are, are pointing to the fact that real estate in particular as a you know, segment of the economy is going to continue to get stronger, not weaker. As people basically are, you know, the Fed printing money and inflation, deflation, everything points to an improving real estate market. Everything points to the builder, um, the builders taking off. There's going to be so many opportunities going into next year. Please do not allow yourself to feel anything that even remotely resembles being depressed because this is the best time in the past almost 30 years that Julie and I have been in the real estate industry to be in the real estate industry because of the change happening. So when there's changes like this happening, embrace it because the historically speaking, and this is an absolute truism, the greatest fortunes in the history of history, um, you know, for families, for individuals, right, have always been made during the greatest times of change. This is the promised real, real estate revolution that everyone's been, you know, thinking about. And thank God EXP is there to create a brokerage that's agent-centric in the truest sense that gives us all the technology and all the tools to basically combat these technology companies who have who just would have preferred to make us all employees or you know even get us out of the business entirely so at least consider your options at least consider the fact that where you're bro who you're brokering with nowadays it better be with a technology laden company not just because they you know have nice coffee in their coffee machine or you know <laughs> you like the whatever it is that's just, has nothing to do with business maybe you like the office manager these things are all important i like coffee too but the reality of it is is that you need to be thinking bigger going into next year otherwise your market and this opportunity is going to pass you by so have an open mind if you guys uh, would like to talk with us about joining our exp uh, family please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206 512-758-0206 in the meantime you guys have a fantastic day we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, 
visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.